You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today it is game day. It is Pacers, Clippers, and Baker's life. The Pacers' only home game in about a week and a half stretch. And joining me today to preview Pacers, Clippers. I'm true to my word. I finally got an expert on from the other team. To expert help is a big word, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Hand, former host of Locked On Clippers, now writer and founder of 213 Hoops. Lucas, first of all, how's it going, man? This is take two of me doing this. I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. I feel like we did a show a long time ago, and since then we just have texted each other snide remarks <laughs> for like about two years. But uh, yeah, it's great. You know, I'm doing I'm doing well. That's what NBA Twitter is. You become friends <laughs> with people who cover other teams and then just make fun of their team. Hey, what's the day rate for um, for guys signed to non-guaranteed deals this year? <laughs> yeah, that's that. me and Lucas message each other very stupid cap questions. That would absolutely... It's about $11,000 a day. <laughs> it's a little less than that, I believe. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's oh, actually no, a little... It's it's 11000 and 100 actually. We'll talk about this after a while. We have <laughs> Pacers Clippers is tonight... Uh, Kawhi Leonard will not play for the Clippers. He is, has a surprising foot injury that was announced about an hour before we started recording this. No Patrick Beverly, no Serge Ibaka as well for the Clippers. On the Pacers side, still no Miles Turner. He was a little more involved in practice on Monday, but still not playing. So that's a big change because Kawhi has been amazing this year. And I think that's the start is how much different does this Clippers team play without him this year? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Kawhi is the Clippers best player, of course. But they, I, I, I think this maybe is a hot take. I think they miss Paul George when he sits more than they miss Kawhi because Paul does so much initiating for the Clippers offense. Like he's really the engine of the Clippers offense. And Kawhi is like, I don't know any, I don't know enough car parts, but Kawhi is like the part that makes it, I don't know. I bad, bad road for me to go down. But Kawhi is, Kawhi is a super efficient finisher. He does. I mean, he puts in work. Obviously, he's one of the best players in the NBA, but he doesn't really run the offense to get everyone else involved. He's like, okay, we're going to do our stuff and get it to Kawhi in 18 feet, and he's going to go to work and score 30 points on 14 shots or whatever, right? But Paul George is the guy who does most of the Clippers like pick and roll, downhill, off the dribble stuff. So I think, you know, with Kawhi, you miss kind of the the ceiling of the clippers in terms of just having probably the you know another another guy the best guy on the team who can go off for like 30 plus points and if you double team him his passing has been so good this year he's had like a lot of like eight assists two turnover type games playing off of double teams but i think the core of what you get in terms of style from this clippers team stays the same without Kawhi. See, that makes sense. You know, I, sometimes I check in on Paul because his Pacers tenure was obviously awesome and he's one of my favorite guys to watch with this team. And I continue to be amazed he's leading a team in assists. Not that he's like <laughs> so much better of a passer now than he was in Indy, but the fact that he's become that level of playmaker uh, for the Clippers is pretty impressive. And that all jives. You know, the, the thing about the Clippers that we talked about when we previewed the Pacers week is that because the way they initiate offense and PG, you know, can take away or can get into the lane and make defenses collapse and stuff is like they just, no matter who's playing, 
they just shoot so well from three. Mm-hmm. Like all these role players have just gross, insane three point percentages because they're able to create so many easy looks. And he's been initiating so many good looks for teammates that, yeah, obviously being Kawhi being out is huge for the Pacers, gives them a chance in this game, frankly, that they wouldn't have had if he played. I mean, we remember how the game went in LA between these two teams, but it's still going to be really tough to be able to contain Paul George and not let the Clippers shoot whatever 42% from three like they have all season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, the Clippers beat the Suns last week and they had just like an outrageous night uh, shooting the ball from three and a Suns fan who, you know, follows me who normally like uh, we have some decent interactions when the teams play each other, you know, he's pretty, seems pretty chill. And he responded to me something to the effect of like, okay, but the Clippers just had like one of those shooting nights. Right. And I was like, yeah, but this was like the Clippers have played 60 games and this was like their 14th best shooting night of the season. Like the the Clippers are like a coin flip to shoot 45% or better from three this season. It's dumb. It's it's not fair. <laughs> they're, they're they're actually they actually Tony in like in all seriousness this is my my real opinion. The Clippers this season are the best three-point shooting team in the history of basketball. That's not like a hot take at all to me. 42% is insane for a whole season. Like, okay, so the Pacers played the, when they played in LA. So this was their, that was their first game after the Vic trade became official and Turner was out. So I'm like, they were going to lose by a lot yeah, anyway, yeah. but the Clippers were 19 of 39 from deep and they did not, they did not sweat for like, like <laughs> wide open, no matter what role player it was. You're like, Oh damn Like he can hit him too. It's like, what, what do you do? I don't, I don't get how you slow this down. Is yeah, this a Ty Lue thing? Because they don't have that much of a different roster than last year. I think, well, you know, shooting numbers across the league are kind of up this season because probably because no fans, I think, is a big part of it. Uh, but the Clippers also have just great shooters up and down the roster. I mean, they, they have a bunch of guys who you know are good shooters and they create great shots. And I think another reason why their three-point percentage is so high maybe is that they don't take very many bad threes. Like their offense would probably be better if they took more threes and had a little bit lower of a percentage. Um, like, you know, kind of James Harden style. Like, like if Paul George took more high difficulty threes, the Clippers offense overall would probably be better, but their three point percentage would be a little bit lower, but they're just really good at whenever they get into the paint and the defense collapse, finding the open guy, making the extra pass. This team does a lot of like, pass up a good shot for a great shot. And you just like some of these numbers, Paul, like these are the corner three point percentage numbers for the guys in the Clippers rotation, Paul George, 61%, Reggie Jackson, 49%, Marcus Morris, 55%, Kawhi Leonard, 51%, Nick Batum, 42%, Luke Kennard, 46%, Patrick Beverly, 49%, Terrence Mann, 45%. Like, okay. Who do you want to leave open? <laughs> yeah. Have fun. <laughs> That that's just crazy. I'm I'm happy that you are now the third franchise that has to deal with covering Paul George and thinking, why doesn't he shoot 15 threes a game? <laughs> <laughs> we talk about this a lot. We yeah, talk about it, this a lot. Every team he's been on, I see the same coverage. He's so good at them, even the difficult ones, and he takes wide open ones and a few difficult ones. But it's just like just take five more every game. Take so okay, footers, pull up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do it. You'll make it. So this was kind of going to be my like end thesis question, but we're talking about it now. So like they shoot this well from three and they have two, one in this game, but elite creators, like 
how do you stop the Clippers? I mean, I know they have the best. Isn't isn't their offensive rating like the best of all time? Or like, I think the- that I think they currently have the best offensive rating of all time. But it's a little. I mean, like this this season has like the five yeah, this season's best a joke. I know that ratings of all time. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I think Brooklyn was first. Have the second best offense had. ever. Sure. Yeah, like Brooklyn Clippers Jazz Nuggets are up there too. Like all these teams have you know it's depending on who had a hot night or a cold night it changes. But yeah, their offense is really good. How do you stop it? What 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 has has anything worked? Like has any one team been like, yeah, that was good. Like they slowed uh, down the Clippers. Well, when the Clippers have to play like five games in seven nights, that normally works pretty well. <laughs> um, <laughs> big big playoff problem, right? <laughs> but uh, no, I think the you know the real way that you beat the Clippers is you have to have good defenders across like up up and down your rotation. Um, you can't have liabilities out there because they like the Clippers love, they did this more early in the season and, you know, they don't do it quite as deliberately now, but like open the game, run a cross screen for Kawhi in the post with whatever little guard screening for him, get a six, two guy on him, post him at 15 feet, have fun. Right. You, you can't really play with liabilities against the Clippers, but if you dig in, and if you, I think it's really important in the NBA in general today to not overhelp. Um, this is why like the Pelicans are so bad. Sorry, like Stan Van Gundy catching strays, but like <laughs> he's been probably the worst coach in the NBA this season because he doesn't understand how defense works. He packs the paint and forces the kickout pass to the corner shooter and they get burned. Like that's just not how you can play in 2021. I think if you play against the Clippers and you force Paul George to like, finish one-on-one one-on-one at the rim against a good rim protector he's good but not great at it like he's not a great finisher around the basket and if you bring help like Marcus Morris is a great corner three-point shooter so I think you have to uh you know you have to play that way really against the Clippers you just have to have good defenders big defenders like this is part of why you know the Nuggets have some success against the Clippers is with Jeremy Grant and now Aaron Gordon, like those types of bodies against Kawhi is probably your best hope. Um, but then you also, you know, like with any of these teams that are so three point heavy, you just kind of have to play the variance game, right? Like yeah. you have to have an idea of what you want to do and stick with it, stick with it, like weather the storm when they are hot and trust that like, they're not going to make 50% of their threes four out of seven times. And if they do, hey, man, good job. Right? Lose. <laughs> um, but, but I think you have to make them play that way. Not wide open looks for Marcus Morris, but like you got to make them make the difficult shots. I think you can also bait the guys on the Clippers have, like their high usage guys, you can bait into mid-range looks, I think. Um, so, yeah, you just have to have a really disciplined idea of what you want to do defensively and then not go away from it when they get hot because they will get hot. What's up, guys? Going to take a short little break here to talk to you about two awesome groups of people. The first one is an app that we've been using here for Locked On Pacers, Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download on iOS, and once you're in, you can come talk with me, Adam, other fans, athletes, and insiders from your favorite sport in real time about your favorite team. We've been hosting rooms once a week. Adam will be doing one later this week. You just hop in. You talk Pacers with us. We talk live about the team. You can ask questions live. You can hop on the stage and chat with us. It's really the perfect place to start enjoying conversations about the league. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter 
Join the group of your choice, M- NBA, MLB, Pacers, whatever, to get all your favorite updates. I'm on there at T East NBA. You'll know when I go live. I'll let you guys know. So come check it out at Locker Room. And, of course, the other people I want to talk about is rockauto.com because chain stores for cars have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com, on the other hand, their prices are always the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices rather than quick changing prices based on what the market will bear. They're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for nearly two decades. They have everything you could possibly need for your car. You click, it'll be delivered right to your door. And best of all, their catalog is remarkably unique and easy to navigate. Go check it out, rockauto.com, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. I know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I have a lot of Pacers adjacent thoughts to all that. So let's let's start <laughs> talking about this specific game because Great. Kawhi being out is pretty interesting in terms of the way the Pacers like to defend these larger forwards who can create. Like they did this with Luca and Gordon Hayward and Tatum, and you could go on and on. They send lots of guys at the ball, right? They try to make that guy give it up and they try to make him make mistakes. And a lot of times they don't because they're superstars, but they just want to get beat by other guys. That sounds great. But when you're playing the Clippers, who have 10 million good shooters, that that doesn't work, right? Like, especially when they have, like, Reggie Jackson can kind of secondary create and Luke Kennard can kind of secondary create. And Marcus Morris on a one or two dribble play is like, that, that'll work. You know, so it's really hard. So I worry about how that's going to work in this specific matchup, especially with Kawhi out, because I bet they're more likely now to send more ball pressure at Paul George. Two, the Pacers are also horrible at health defense, like the Pelicans, right? Like, Lavert and Jeremy Lamb are two of the worst health defenders ever. And Lavert's getting better as he works his way back from his surgery. But he had his best defensive week with the team this past week. But he has been pretty bad as a health defender this season. McDermott has flaws at that. Even Edmund Sumner, who I love and is a great on-ball defender, has some health defense issues. So I have some fears, and we saw this kind of manifest in Los Angeles when the Clippers destroyed this team, that especially without Turner, the Pacers just are not going to have good matchups to cover this this Pistons, excuse me, this Clippers team, and it's really going to kill them. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, the the best thing you can do against the Clippers is kind of not overhelp and force them to to beat you one on one at the rim because they the team doesn't like the Clippers are one of the worst teams in the NBA in terms of percentage of field goal attempts coming from within three feet. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA in terms of um, free throw attempts per field goal attempt. So they don't, they don't get downhill. They don't get to the rim. They don't get to the line. If you can make them drive and glue to shooters and make guys either like pull up for floaters or try to challenge a rim protector, they, it, they get, it's, it gets a little dicey. Terrence Mann is the one guy on the Clippers who is like, he is an elite finisher at the rim. Like he will go downhill and go one-on-one against the rim protector and finish, finish around or over them. Um, and that's where like that first Pacers matchup, like you said, not having Turner killed them because the Clippers like, if if the Pacers stayed home on shooters, the Clippers were getting layups. And if you help off of shooters, the Clippers are the best three-point shooting team in the history of basketball. So it's like a, a lose-lose when you don't have Miles Turner in the lineup. But I do think confusing Paul George is maybe the best disruptive defense you can offer against the Clippers. Hey, okay. Because you mentioned, you know, surprise that he's leading a team in assists. And... I think with the Clippers particularly, like they rely on him so heavily, but he is more so making like the simple reads based off of teams overplaying him as a scorer out of respect for him than he is 
like kind of becoming any sort of natural or great distributor. I mean, he's averaging 5.4 assists per game, but he's averaging 3.1 turnovers per game. So the assist to turnover is still under two to one. And I think that if you just bring the help, he will make the, the skip pass to the weak side corner shooter. Like you can't just, you can't play it simply, but I think if you bring some like complex coverages, like some, some, you know, NFL style blitz blitz packages where the point isn't like necessarily to bring pressure as much as it is to confuse the quarterback about who's where that type of stuff. Paul doesn't quite make, like, he's not a point guard. He's not going to make a, a Chris Paul read against the defense. He's a Darren Collison passer. I've always used Darren Collison <laughs> as my guy. Darren Collison had a great assist to turnover ratio. So he's not a perfect comp, but like he averaged like six or seven assists per game. And they were all like the most obvious pass of all time, but he did it every yeah. possession. So it just, it just added up after a while. We haven't talked about the Pacers hardly at all. So let's talk about the Pacers. Pacers podcast. Yeah. Well, Paul George counts. Um, where can the Pacers get advantages against the Clippers? What matchups on your side covering the Clippers scare you the most in this game? Yeah. I mean, I think for the Clippers, it's, They've had some kind of energy letdowns in recent weeks. Um, yeah, I watched them play the Pistons last night. Yeah, I mean, a great example, right? And so the guy that I, like one of my favorite pacers, maybe my favorite pacer, um, who is going to influence the game this way. Nervous. Oh, I see. What, who? TJ McConnell. Oh, okay. I think um, is a guy that like, he can really come in and, uh, you know, just bring kind of a different, I don't know. The Clippers rarely punch first. The Clippers are a team that rarely punches first. And I think if we, you get into kind of a kind of back and forth first quarter, both teams playing fine. Like no one's like having a meltdown, freaking out, but like the Clippers haven't really been forced to wake up yet. You know, you get to like 25 to 22 or whatever. And then Paul George has to come out to rest and the Clippers aren't, can't stagger Kowal and Paul like they normally do. Kawhi and Paul. Kawhi and Paul like they normally do because Kawhi is sitting out this game. So you have a second unit out there that maybe has like, you know, Rajon Rondo, Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, uh, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris is the second unit. Those are five names. Those are five names, right? (laughs) Like that second unit can be fine for a shift if Reggie Jackson is playing well, if Terrence Mann is, is, able to get driving lanes. If Marcus Morris is having a good night, like he just had 32 against the Pistons, you know, like that second unit can be fine. But if that second unit starts missing some shots, if Rajon Rondo does like regular season Rajon Rondo stuff, which like, let's be honest, it's a Tuesday night in Indiana, you know, (laughs) Um, you start thinking like, this is really kind of going to could represent a lull in production for the Clippers. And that's when TJ McConnell is going to be in the game. And we know that TJ, as much as he's, a good player. He, I mean, he just is a good player, but particularly like where the Clippers tend to get killed is they go through these stretches where it's just like, they give up easy baskets off of turnovers. So they give up. It's not that necessarily the other team is out executing them or out shooting them, but it's like you, you reach the end of a quarter and you're like the Clippers mostly played fine defense in the half court here, but they just allowed way too many, um, breakaways off of turnovers. Like they, they give up an outrageous n- like number of points off turnovers compared to the turnovers they commit. I think it last night in Detroit, it was like at one point it was like 24 points off of 13 turnovers or something. So those kinds of like, like T 
TJ McConnell can turn you over in the backcourt and get a layup. And the Clippers are really susceptible to kinds of those kinds of lulls when they go to their second unit. Going to take one more break here to talk about the awesome folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, including Pacers Clippers. You can get in on that. Uh, NHL, MLB, whatever you fancy, you can place your bets. And wagers at betonline.ag, they even cover a lot of TV aspects um, and reality shows, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the news, all the scores, all the odds. It's the best place to place those bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device today. Same thing, betonline.ag. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's betonline.ag, the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your online sportsbook experts. It does sound like a good game for McConnell. I can't believe McConnell and Marcus Morris have never gotten in a fight before in a game. Like, just Never say never. (laughs) That dude who is trying so hard in a regular season game. It just annoys other teams sometimes. <laughs> Marcus Morris's peak could get annoyed in an NBA game. Yeah, um, McConnell does well against big market teams too. It's just a thing that he does. Uh, I think he would do I think he would do well for a big market team next season. <laughs> we we talked about that. I think that was one of our cap dorkeries that we talked about. Oh, it about. absolutely yeah, was before the season. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a terrible deal for the Pacers in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> would have been yeah. great for the Clippers, though. <laughs> it would have, yeah. He's been McConnell's been fantastic this season uh, with the steals. The passing is ridiculous. Six points, seven assists per game is like a number, but it's in twenty five minutes. Like that dude, yeah. And he's throwing dudes open. Like his passing is actually a legit impact pass. He's not Darren Collison. Exactly, exactly. So especially with this Pacers second unit when with the guys that are out, right? He'll have McDermott cutting around him. He'll have one good ball handling guard there to bail him out when his lane's cut off. You know, he can find Sumner on a lob and transition once a game now, right? He's got shooters now, a few more of them at least. And Goga's good now at setting screens. So like he can make stuff happen. That is one that I look at too. It just, I think he can be really impactful. And the Pacers bench was really good this last week and they finally have a three game winning streak. So if they can carry some momentum there, that is One of the matchups I was going to highlight if you didn't. So good job. The other one I was going to highlight is Sabonis versus Zubac. Um, So I'll start by saying that I know that Ivica Zubac is potentially the most underrated player in all of basketball. Uh, That said, Sabonis is also very good. (laughs) He is. He's very good. (laughs) A lot of times, Zubac is young, right? He's like 26. He's 24. Oh, okay. He's younger than I thought. He might be 23, about to turn 24. He's he's like, I think he's 23. he's He's an interesting age and background guy because sometimes these younger centers struggle with Sabonis because they don't, they've never defended post-ups like growing up. Right. Mm. And then this guy posts them up and they're like, wait, how do I do this? Like where, how do, how do I angle my body? What am I trying to cut off? And they know like what shoulder he's going to go over. Cause he's kind of one-dimensional that way, but it sometimes it leads to some easy baskets or they sag off too far and give up a cut, whatever. However, Zubac was Euro, and some of the Euro guys are better at it. So he's a little bit of in between. But Sabonis did well against him in L.A., one of the few bright spots the Pacers had in that entire game. And Sabonis has been playing better recently because the Pacers have figured out that his post-ups can't be as long, you know, get the bottom of his hands quicker, find the cutters quicker. And then Zubac, for all the things he's good at, I worry that he won't be able to quite keep up with that matchup for a full game, and the Pacers could get some points there, especially Sabonis when when Zubac is out of the game. Yeah. As good as DeMarcus Cousins can be, uh, is a <laughs> way worse defender than Zubac. So another opportunity. So Sabonis so in general, I like what he can bring to this game and, and the ways that he can help the Pacers possibly win. Yeah, the Clippers kind of, they tend to make a choice coming into matchups. 
if Zoo is going to play free safety or if he's going to, you know, play like a shutdown corner. And so like when the Clippers, with football references, man, <laughs> when the Clippers play, when the Clippers play the, the nuggets, they put him on Jokic and like, you're on Jokic, you're playing drop coverage, let other guys chase Murray around off of screens. You you're playing, you're playing Jokic, right? Um, and, and he probably plays Jokic as well as anyone in the NBA. And when I say that, that's like saying that someone plays LeBron as well as anyone in the NBA, which is that like Jokic still is the best player on the court but he gets like slightly fewer shot attempts up than normal at a slightly lower efficiency than normal and turns the ball over a little bit normal and gets a little bit more than normal, gets to the free throw line a little bit less than normal, like slight, you know, marginal improvements, but like uh, he, you know, all those numbers relative to like when Jokic plays against Rudy Gobert. Right. Uh, so Zoo Young does, is the Giannis stopper. So Pacers fans <laughs> are well aware of what the stopper label really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's, he's definitely not a stopper, but he, he, that's like the matchup that he's built for is like shrink the margin that you lose the Jokic matchup by right. is what Zubats does best. But what they use him for in a lot of situations where the opposing center gets tons of production against him. We saw this against the Suns last week is he's, he's just a really good all around defender and he's a really good help defender. So they'll kind of say like, okay, your job is like to not let Chris Paul shoot mid range jumpers. Right. So you know, in that game against the Suns, I think Booker and Paul got up. Um, I wish I could remember what, what it was, but I think they got up like 17 shot attempts instead of 24 that they average or, or maybe it was 24 instead of 32, but they, they got up significantly fewer shots than normal because zoo was stepping up in the pick and roll and taking that option away. But then the dump pass was coming into Aiton, and zoo was kind of a step behind recovering and Marcus Morris as the help man is undersized and not always in the right spot. Um, and so Aiton had a big game, but it was mostly because Zoo was basically every possession Zoo was guarding one and a half guys. And so one thing that will be interesting to see with, you know, with Sabonis and kind of Brogdon in the pick and roll here, but also McDermott on the off ball screens is how much do they want to really focus on Sabonis? Because I think if they put Zoo on him one-on-one in a post-up, like that's probably about as tough of a one-on-one post-up as Sabonis will have in the NBA. But the Clippers, they lean on him so heavily as a crutch to do so many things defensively. My guess is they're going to say like, hey man, we really need you to contain Brogdon on every ball screen. And that's going to open up a lot of space for Sabonis to catch the ball kind of in that short roll with a step in front of Zubats. And Zoo's a lot of things, but he's not quick. To get uh, not at all. No, he is. No, he <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, European centers not quick. That's so rare. That's so unlikely. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, he he bucks the trend. We just saw Sabonis versus Valanciunas Sunday, which was probably the <laughs> slowest combined speed of a matchup in the NBA this year. Yeah, the only two pro Lithuanians were going at it. Yeah, I, I'm very intrigued by the Zubac Sabonis matchup in general. But th- this game has, despite the fact that the Clippers are supremely more talented, has quite a few like kind of interesting matchup. So, it, it, you know, it, it makes me really think and wonder how this could turn out. Like Lavert's going to be guarded by someone who in theory probably won't be able to guard him very well. Uh, maybe he can do, have a nice game, although he is one of the more inconsistent guys so far as he recovers from his surgery. So that's something else I'm looking forward to. But the big question, Lucas, who's going to win? Oh, the Clippers are going to win. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I Even without Kawhi, I think it's going to be a similar script, just like, so that, if you remember, I don't know how well you remember that game. 
in LA. It was like a three point game at halftime or something. Like, I remember like, forgetting it. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a forgettable <laughs> basketball game. It was like 63 to 60 at halftime or something like that. You know, the Pacers were just in it enough that you were like, oh, cool. You know, they have a chance. And then by the end of the third quarter, the Clippers are up like 20. I kind of think it's going to be like that again. And like you said, the Clippers don't usually punch first. So that makes sense. But I have a feeling the Pacers are going to keep it kind of close to like the end of the third quarter. And the Pacers have been just god awful in fourth quarters for like over a month. It's it's kind of embarrassing. Like the Orlando Magic easily scored against the Pacers in the fourth quarter of like last week. The Timberwolves scored 80 something points in the second half against the Pacers. Like it's it's pathetic. Bad. (laughs) It's pathetic. And they still won that game. (laughs) So I, I have a feeling that the Pacers can maybe make it look close. And then in the fourth quarter, the Clippers are going to be like, all right, like, let's get this over with. And then they're going to win by 15. <laughs> yeah, they, the Clippers had a stretch there in January where they had like a lot of plus 15 third quarters. That's kind of calmed down, Sid, but they had like a stretch of like 10 games where it was like every game, huge third quarter run, either to like get back into a game or to put a game away. Um, and the Pacers were like the uh, one of the one of the most harsh victims of that. But yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think without Kawhi, like, I, you know, I don't know how Pacers folks are feeling because I know that this season has been um, like a little a little disappointing from the Pacers perspective. Yeah, but a like, little. Yeah, just a little. But, well, like, because I don't really know. I don't know what the vibe is. I'm, you know, I, I a thou- see box scores from a thousand miles away. But right. like, this is not an untalented group. This is, we're not talking about like a, a real a basement dweller here, even though, you know, they're under 500. And so there is, I think a lot of, um, you know, especially with Kawhi being out with Patrick Beverly being out with Sergi Baca being out, the Clippers are just kind of short enough on their top end talent. And also missing three of your guys means you are just exposed enough on the back end of your rotation that like, I don't think that they um, necessarily get to claim like a 20 point talent win here. Um, I think if they have if they have a good shooting night, there's nothing that the Pacers can do, uh, frankly. But if they have a even an an average shooting night for them, I think that there's this could probably be, you know, an, an interesting game. Even if the Clippers probably come out on top, you have to remember Paul George stats against the Pacers are are going to be upped. Right, it's just a thing. Maybe he he just won Western Conference Player of the Week. He had uh, thirty two points a game last week or something on sixty percent from three. Um, he, he's been on a little bit of a revenge tour, you know, he's got his thing with Dame and he absolutely cooked Dame on both ends against Portland. He's got his thing with Devin Booker. He cooked Devin Booker on both ends against Phoenix. So I don't know how much, like how long can hate fuel you before you just kind of have to take a nap, you know? So the first season after the PG trade, when he was on the thunder, he did like awful against the Pacers, both games. I think he had like, like 12 points a game or something since then. So 2019 onward, 36, 31, 36. And then in the blowout, he only had 20 because he didn't play as much, right? Like he, he's just torched these guys since he got, well, Hey man, I hope he has 36 again. (laughs) I love watching Paul George. That's my most unpopular person who watches lots of Pacers take is I love watching Paul George play basketball. So I'm looking forward to that. Lucas, it's been a pleasure talking about the almighty Clippers who (laughs) I did not pick to win the West. And I have some regrets about that because I think they're really good and they have playoff Rondo now. So they have all their answers. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people follow you and all your stuff and uh, keep up with you during Pacers Clippers? Yeah. At um, on Twitter at Lucas Jahan, as well as the blog is at two and three hoops. Um, 
And then 213hoops.com is the website. And if you just search 213hoops into anywhere that you listen to podcasts, if you want to hear the Clippers perspective on the game, um, all of our shows come up when you search 213hoops. And so support independent team coverage. That's the way to go. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy that more people have figured that out in my follow sphere of NBA Twitter. This game should be fun. Uh, it would be huge for the Pacers to win this one because then they could be 500 by the end of this week and they have a cake schedule for the rest of the month. So kind of a swingy game here if they can get a win at home before they go back on the road. You can follow me at T East NBA and this podcast at Lockdown Pacers. Thank you all so much for listening and we will see you tomorrow.